Bible is this known as the, the Hall of Faith. It gives many examples of the great faith witnesses that we have throughout the Bible. And as you're making your way there, you know, sometimes, you know, as, as pastors and even, even teachers who are studying and they're looking for scriptures to back up and to cross-reference different things, you kind of come across a verse that really kind of comes out at you and, you know, you're not able to spend a lot of time on it because you're preparing for this other topic, but you've always, you've got to, you make a note of it so you can come back to it and see what is there and try to unpack what, what was um, made known to you. And so that's kind of the, the topic, that's kind of what we are doing this morning. This morning we're going to be going through um, what it means to be pleasing to God and how to please God. Not, well, maybe, excuse me, maybe not so much how to please God, but what is required in order for us to please God. So I'm, I'm sure if I was to ask a question, you know, across the sanctuary, how many of you have a desire to please God? I mean, how many hands would we see? I mean, I would assume that you're, if you're all Christians, that you would raise your hand for that. But I know the Baptists are pretty uncomfortable with raising their hands in church, so I won't ask you to do that. But how it is, though, is that um, if we have a desire to, to please God, but we also have this struggle with a desire to please ourself. We have a desire to please man. We have a desire, two desires that conflict with one another. And we want to understand that what it, what it really takes to please God is what we really want to focus on. And, you know, we have that struggle. But why, do we, why is it important that we look to please God? You know, what's, what's, why would we want to do that? You know, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a reason that we should. You know, just simply because God cared for us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross and we've been a partaker of the grace of God and having our sins forgiven and been given an eternal home, that should be enough for us to have a desire to do so. But there's some other things that we can look at. Now, Paul's what he, what he brought, brought to our attention in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In verse 9, it says this, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. And that was the aim that Paul was talking about here, is to be pleasing to God, to put a smile on his face, to be able to, to, to uh, do something that, that really melts the heart of God, and he can look down and say, That's my servant in whom I am well-pleased. And he says that he makes every aim to make that possible. And the reason why that he wants to do that is in verse 10. It says, For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And there's going to be a day of judgment for, for us. There's going to be a day of judgment for us as believers in Jesus Christ. We can, we can go over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5. It kind of gives us a little bit more about this. And it says that the Lord will come and bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart to each one's praise will come from God. It's a praise from God. Obviously, if we're going to get praise for the things that we've done, it's going to be things that are going to be pleasing to him. And on the day of judgment, I want, to have, I want to be able to hear the praise from God to, according to the deeds that I have done. This is what someone said about these passages. He said, this passage reveals Paul's emphasis on the judgment seat of Christ. Notice that Paul says each man's praise will come to him from God. God gives rewards to the victors. 
He does not whip the losers. We know that he won't condemn us for our sins at that point because Romans 8, 1 tells us that there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, why, why is it that, you know, the, our bad won't be brought to the table and judged? Why is it that our sins are not going to be brought to the table and judged at the judgment seat of Christ? Well, because those sins have already been judged. Those sins have already been taken care of by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. So the judgment seat of Christ is about the works that we have done as a believer in Jesus Christ. And the works, whether good or bad, they're going to, remember, they're going to pass through the fire. And those things that are gold and silver and precious stones, they will pass and that will be your reward. But it's the things that are made of wood, hay, and stubble that will pass through the fire. They will be burned up and you will have nothing. So there is going to be a day of judgment where we will be rewarded for our faithful lives, for the times that we have been pleasing to the Lord. Now, I'm asking a question this morning is, is that if, do you have a desire to please God? And if you do have a desire to please God, you're in a good place. If you want a desire to please God, then that's a good place, then we need to really focus on that. But there's not so much about this study as far as how to please God. That may come in the following following a couple of weeks because as I was timing this sermon, it came out to about an hour and 15 minutes. I didn't think you guys were in it for that. So we'll, we'll back it off a little bit. And by the way, the batteries got changed in the clock. I don't know who did that, but that happened without a business meeting, a motion, and a second, and a committee being formed. I don't know who's responsible for that, but, but however, I can, I can see the clock. Thank you, whoever did that. But so it's not so much about, today's sermon is not so much about how to please God, but what is actually required for us to please God. Which brings us to our key verse that we're going to be focusing on today, and also in the, in the context that this verse will be, be appropriate. But in Hebrews 11:6, it tells us very plainly in the very first phrase, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, the first thing that we find out there is that when it comes to pleasing God, it's impossible to do without faith. Impossible. Every work that we do that is faithless is unpleasing to God. It has to be done in faith. So we need to really kind of unpack this faith thing. Now this is going to, you're going to, I've, I've, I've alluded to it many times in our sermons in the past as far as what faith is, but we're really going to address this word faith today. Because obviously, if we're going to please God, faith is required. And if we want to please God, we've got to have an understanding about this New Testament faith that we're talking about. So there's a lot to be said about faith. So our, our own salvation is about faith. And the Word of God tells us that for by, says, for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So the very grounding of our relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, is based in faith. We're also understanding in, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, it also tells us, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Even answered prayer is through faith. It says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. Okay, what does that mean? So you actually have the word and you have the, and you have the opposite. 
You have the the definition, but let him ask with no doubting. So asking with faith is asking, trusting, and believing. It says, for he who doubts is like a wave in the sea driven, tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything of the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. So even answered prayer has an element of faith. So we really have to understand what this faith is and what it is and how we can apply it. But we can go even even further. If if faith is required to to please God, and it's impossible to please Him without it, faithless religious ceremonies do not please God. Faithless giving does not please God. But when we look at this verse, the very first thing it told us is, but without faith it's impossible to please God without it. But something that we can derive from the text, one, the truth is that without faith it is impossible to please him, but on the flip side, with faith, it is possible. And that's encouraging, because we can please God. And as we read in in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians, Paul was saying that he made his aim to be pleasing to him. And we understand that we will be judged on the day of judgment, and that it is possible for us to have rewards on those days. And those rewards are reflective of the times that God was pleased with our work. So what is this faith? We really have to unpack what faith is. And as you've heard me say a few times, I believe that faith, the word faith is kind of thrown around as something that people really don't understand what it is. You know, well, you just got to have faith. No, doesn't matter what the problem is or what you're going through. Oh, you just got to have faith and everything will be okay. Well, what do you mean by that? And what does that mean? I mean, truly. Just have faith and everything's going to be fine. So you can go ahead and do whatever you want to do, regardless of the situation or the incomes that you're, or that you're facing. As long as you have faith, it's just all going to be okay. Does that make sense? How many of you have heard it? How many of you have said it? I mean, it's kind of a hard thing to kind of really wrap our minds around, but what do you really mean whenever you say, well, you just got to have faith? So what does that really truly mean? You know, whenever we come across some of these things, some of these words, it'd be really nice if the Bible had a dictionary and we could just look, look at a verse and say, well, that's exactly what it means. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a verse that actually told us what faith means and what it is? Well, back up five verses in verse 1. What does it tell us? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. There's your definition. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. How many of you have heard the, you know, the skeptics of the Christian faith? What they'll tell you and what they'll say is that, you know, these Christians, they, everything is just about faith. You have your faith. You just believe without evidence. Well, you have faith. I've seen Christians um, champion that thing. Yeah, you, you're right. Yeah, I don't, have, I don't have any evidence for it whatsoever, but I believe, and that's faith. I really don't believe that that's the Christian faith that we're talking about. Whenever it comes to me receiving Christ as my personal Savior, it wasn't based on no evidence. It wasn't based on without, without seeing or anything. It wasn't, based on the, it wasn't based on not having the revealed truth about who Jesus Christ was and what he did for me. I was faced with the facts of the matter. I was faced with the facts that I was a sinner. I was faced with the facts that I transgressed against the law of God and I deserved hell. And the only way that I could have myself pulled out was to put my faith and trust in the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. 
And whenever I did that, I claimed the very promise of God, and he saved me that day and gave me eternal life. My salvation and my faith wasn't put in something empty. My faith and my exercise of my faith was putting something that was true. It was factual. And the fact that Jesus died for my sins, he was buried, and he was raised again from the dead. Our faith is not empty. It's based on facts. It's a historical fact that Jesus Christ raised from the dead. And that is what we put our faith in, the work of Calvary, the work that Jesus Christ did. So faith is not just something that is without evidence. Actually, we're told here it's what? It is the evidence, right? It is the evidence. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. From what just reading this verse, you can tell that faith itself is not something that's just empty. It's not just something that's blind. It's not something that's just clueless and wandering. But this is telling us it is a substance, it is actually evidence of things hoped for and of things not seen. Now, whenever we read the very first part of there, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know, in the, in the world in which we live today, you know, this, world, this word hope has been, become synonymous with the word wish, right? You know, I, I hope that, you know, somebody would, you know, do something for me. You know, I can sit around and I can have this wishful thinking about what I would want. You know, I can sit on my couch and I can wish that someone would mail me a million-dollar check, right? That's wishful thinking. And why is it wishful thinking? Because I have absolutely nothing to ground that statement on. I've got no evidence. I've got nothing to even to, um, do that. It's complete and total fantasy in my own mind to even sit here and think that somebody would do that. I hadn't heard of anybody saying that they're going to do it. I'm not going to be opposing to it. But however, I've got no grounding facts or any kind of evidence that I need to be able to say, well, someone's going to mail me a million-dollar check. That's just wishful thinking. Okay, hope is something totally different. The things for which we hope for as a child of God, those are things that are guaranteed to us as a child of God. These are the promises of God. What is our hope as a child of God? Just, 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 a, just a plain salvation hope that we have. It's eternal life, right? It's an eternal home in heaven. Our sins are forgiven. We will be presented innocent before God because of the work of Jesus Christ. Those are things that are for certain. When we read the word of God, there are, there are countless promises that God gives us that whenever we meet the condition of those promises, we have a hope that those promises will come true because God is not a liar and that he will fulfill his end of the, his end of the deal. Okay, we have a hope. It's the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the action it is the behavior that we, that we do whenever we have a hope for something in the future. The hope for what is going to be is what drives us into, uh, in, into the obedience to what God calls us to do. It's a hope for what will come in the future. Now, uh, what if I told you that uh, if not everyone here, almost everyone exercises that type of faith every single day? Not in God but in something way less. Every time you punch a time clock, you're exercising that type of faith. Because you and your boss at one point got together and you made an agreement 
that you would work for so many hours and do this certain job for a certain pay. And whenever you walk in and you, and you punch the clock and you sit down at your job, that is you're exercising your faith. You're exercising what you believe because you believe and you're willing to work because you believe and you trust that your boss is going to write you a check on payday. It is something that is hoped for. Okay, So you exercise that faith on a day-to-day basis with your boss. Now when it comes to pleasing God, this is a pretty much exactly the same thing. It's the things that are hoped for. Okay, We have to understand sometimes whenever it comes to God's reward, it's not an instant gratification. It's something that we must look forward. So therefore, our faith and our behavior in obedience to what the Word of God says is the substance of the things that are hoped for, the promises of God. It also goes on to say this is the evidence of things not seen. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes this in verse 16. It says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Now, what Paul is saying here is like, even though, you know, my body is shutting down, I'm getting older, I'm taking on persecution, I'm not losing heart. And in verse 17, it says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. You see the perspective that we kind of talked about last week here. He says, for our light affliction. Now, Paul certainly suffered heavy affliction. He calls it light. But whenever I read it, I'm thinking, that's pretty bad. But he's saying that, he's saying that, that, he, uh, that this light affliction is but for a moment. And this is what he says. He says, it is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. What is he looking at? What is that eternal weight of glory? He's saying that this is something that's going to be better in the future, in eternity. He says, while we look not at the things that are seen, but the things which are not seen. He says, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So what, is, so what are we saying? Is The reason why Paul is willing to suffer the affliction for, for the purpose of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ was that this working was a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He says, look, we don't focus on the things that are temporary. We don't focus on the things that are, that are right here before us, the things that we can see. No, we're focusing on things which are not seen, the things that are eternal. And because he's able to see the fact that in the future, that hope and the things that are not seen are going to be there and that are promised to him, he's willing to, to walk in faith to what God's word calls him to do. So faith is not this mystical, empty thing. Faith is really the action. It is really the willful obedience to what God's word says. And we'll unpack this just a little bit further as we go forward. But faith is your actions based on what you know is true. The reason why Paul was willing to suffer the affliction in order to preach the gospel is he truly believed that it would make an eternal impact that he would be able to claim the reward that God would give him, and it would be far and above anything that this world had to offer. So therefore, he was willing. So his action was the exercise of what he believed to be true in Christ, and therefore, that is the example of what faith is. But what do we really need to know to be true in order to make that step in faith? Where are we at here? All right, so we've gone through the impossibility of faith. 
So now we're actually going to go into the, what we're calling the ingredients of faith that pleases God. What are those two things that we really need to understand? All right, so going back to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, you know, we've seen that it is impossible to please God outside of faith. So, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now we have an understanding, a basic understanding of what faith is. Faith is truly just obedience in the word of God and believing that he is who he says he is, going, who he is and he's going to do what he says he's going to do, which is what we are going to go through next. It says what we believe is very important. In verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So these are the two ingredients that we need in order to step out in faith. This, is, this, will, this should encourage us to be willing and ready whenever God calls us to obedience that we, in fact, are going to be obedient. The first thing that we see here, it says that, it says, but without faith it's impossible to please to God, but for who comes to God must believe that he is. You must believe that God is. Yes, God exists. Your creator, your great God and creator, the one who, who created you, the one who has redeemed you, the one who is sustaining you, the one who is offering you a life of faith to be lived before the world. Do you truly believe that God is? You know, it's one thing for us to pray, but it's a completely other thing for us to truly believe that when we pray, we step into the very throne of God, the throne room of God, and he wants to hear what you have to say. It's one thing just to pray, but it's another thing to believe that he truly hears your prayers and that he's interested in what you have to say. And that he wants to hear your cares. And he wants you to cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And he really is interested. You know, we must, those of us who come to God must believe that he is. You know, it's one thing for us to worship. It's one thing for us to come together as a congregation and to sing up songs and offer them up to the Lord. But it's another thing to believe that they're truly accepted and pleasing to God. Those are two different things. Yes, we can worship, but if it's without faith, it's not pleasing. But if we have an understanding, we believe that it's truly accepted by God. That's completely. But another thing that we see, not only must we believe that God is, but it also goes on to say that we must believe that God rewards those who diligently seek him. You know, God wants to reward his children. And that's the reason why we have the judgment seat of Christ, so he can reward you for your good works. He wants to give you the reward. He wants to be there to give you the victory. He wants to see you to be successful. So not only do we believe that God is, but we believe that God rewards those who diligently seek him. Now what we talked about to begin with is we have this, these, these um, conflicting desires, do we not? You know, we have a desire we want to please God, and we have a desire to do what we want to do. And in some cases, we might not even have a desire to do what God, to, what, to do what's right, but we have a desire to do this. And we have a choice that we're going to have to make. We know that this is right. We know that this is good. We know that this is what the Bible re reveals to us. We understand that this is the action that we should take, but we, for whatever reason, our sinful nature draws us to do, to seek the temporary 
the temporary reward, the things that this world has to offer, the praise of man, the fulfilling of our desires. We have a desire to do this, but yet we know that this is what we need to do. So this is, the, this is kind of an example of what faith truly is and what we've been talking about. Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. The, the faith, the actual action, the behavior, the choices that we make are the exercise, or that's the substance. That's the evidence of the things hoped for or the, things, or the evidence of things not seen. So we have God. God says, this is right, and this is where you need to go. And though... The only thing that you have over here to claim is that the Word of God has revealed to you that this is the right step, and you've got a promise from God that He will reward you for it. You don't know what the reward is. You may not have a full understanding, and you may have to wait till you step into eternity to get it. But it's a great reward. It's a great reward. We're told that our inheritance is something that is incorruptible, undefiled, and eternal, and will last forever. Think of the value that God is offering. And over here, we have something that, yes, may be fun, may be exciting. We have something over here that, that, uh, that is drawing us. We see something here that will give us a great gain in this world. We see something that will give us something of instant gratification, something that will, that will really please us. But however, it's temporary. And yet this is really what's drawing us in. This is what we really, really want to do. But whenever you sit back as a child of God and you see the right decision, there may be causes of sacrifice, but yet it holds, it, but it, but it holds God's reward, and you know this is the right decision, but yet you have this desire over here. The moment that you step in the direction and you claim and you do what God says is right, that is the substance of things hoped for. That is faith. That is the evidence of things not seen because you are trusting that God's reward is the best. You're trusting and you're believing that God is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Regardless of what sacrifice it may take, regardless of the fact that this temporary thing that was so enticing has been thrown away, you step and you trust God. That's what faith is. It's about being obedient to him as he's revealed to you what is right. You, you step in that direction and you follow him regardless of what the world has to offer. Does that make sense? All right, we're moving forward. So yes, so, so this faith is impossible to please God without faith. For those who come to him must, un, must believe that he is and must believe that he will reward those who will diligently seek him. Now those are kind of the ingredients of faith. You know, I, want, I mean, I believe that God is and I believe that he's there and, and, and I understand that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So far above anything that this world can offer me, the temporary pleasure that it actually has for me, no matter how great it might be, will dim in comparison to the reward that God has for me. And I may have to wait for eternity to get it, but it'll be worth the wait. That's really the exercise of what faith is. So once we make those choices, and if I could just make it a simple statement, you know, faith is simply believing that God is who he says he is and that he's going to do what, he's going, what he says he's going to do. It's pretty much that simple. Is it just that simple? Absolutely. It is really just that simple. A life lived in faithfulness is simply believing what God says and doing it. That's a life of faith because you're trusting the results in his hands. You're allowing him to, um, to guide your life, and you're, and you're relying on him for the, for the results. 
Now, wouldn't it be nice if we actually had an example to go by, right? Something like that played out. All right, well, let's go ahead and go to the next verse. Now, understanding what we understand from verse 1, it says, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 6 tells us, But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And in verse 7, it tells us, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. So what are we seeing here in the example of Noah? Well, the first thing we see is by faith Noah. Okay, so we can understand and we can draw the conclusion that, this, that what actually happened here was pleasing to God because by faith Noah did these things. So how does this faith play out? It says, by faith Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. Now what were the things that were not yet seen? What did God warn Noah about? The fact that it was going to rain. It was going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. Something that had never happened before in the history of the universe as has been known. And yes, water would come from out from the earth. It would come down from, from heaven and the entire world would be covered with water. That's quite a story. But God warned him, did he not? God told him exactly what was going to happen. He said, look, Noah, this is coming. I'm going to judge this world in righteousness. The, the entire world is going to be filled with water. You need to build a boat. You need to build a big boat. It needs to be this wide. It needs to be this long. It needs to be so many levels. You need to have a window on the side. It needs to be pitched within and without so the thing will float. You need to make sure you got enough food on there to eat. And this is what you're going to do with everything. So what did we see here? God clearly spoke to Noah, did he not? He clearly understood and knew what his job was. Noah knew exactly what God was going to do. And Noah knew exactly what he was supposed to do. God was going to judge the world. He was going to flood the world. And Noah had to build the boat. Does that make a lot of sense for someone to build a boat? No. But it says here that being warned of the things not yet seen, whenever God spoke and delivered to him what's going to happen, he moved with godly fear and he prepared an ark. That is the example of faith. The fact that he moved with godly fear and he prepared the ark. He built the boat. Why did he build the boat? Because of the things that had not yet seen, but the things that were coming, correct? He built the boat because he knew what was coming. He built the boat because he believed that God is, and he built the boat because he believed that God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He believed what God said. He said, well, if there's a flood coming, and God has said that a flood is coming, I better start on this boat. And he built the boat. Building the boat, that is the substance of things hoped for. Building the boat. You can say building the boat are the things that, uh, of, of the things that were hoped for. That was the faith. That was the exercise of faith in the fact that he got out, believed God, and was obedient to him. That was the evidence of things not seen. The fact that he built a boat for the, for the fact that the world was going to flood. So the evidence of things not seen 
was the fact that he was moved with godly fear and he prepared a boat. But as we go a little bit further, you know, he also believed not only that God is, he did not only understand that he could believe what God told him, but he also believed that he was a rewarder of those who would diligently seek him. What was his reward? What was the things for which he hoped whenever he built that boat? What was he hoping for above anything else? It's going to save his life, right? So God, like, if you're telling me I need to build this boat to save my life and the life of my family, that was the hope that he had. And God promised him that, did he not? God promised him, look, if you will build this boat, you will be saved. And he built that boat with the understanding and faith, believing that God, once he built that boat and he flooded the world, that he and his family would be saved in that. Did it actually happen? Absolutely. Because it pleased God with what, with what Noah did. And he, he acted in faith. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of the things yet not yet seen, but he moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household. That's the thing for which he hoped for. And we also can see that he was rewarded greatly. It says, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. God truly is faithful. He will do what he says. If the word of God tells us that we need to walk in obedience to him, we need to be able to believe him. We need to act in faith and obedience and step out and say God's way is the best. Though I may not be able to see the immediate, the, the immediate reward, but however, I believe that he is a rewarder of those who will diligently seek him. I believe that God is real. And I believe that he is directing me here. And I believe that his way is the best way. And whenever you step in that direction, regardless of what your desires may be, you step in that direction because it's what is right. And that is what faith, faithful living truly is. That is what faithful living is. Is it that simple? Yes. Absolutely. You're trusting in God for the results. You're just living a life truly, plainly, simply in obedience to the word of God, and you're trusting him with the results. That's what faithful living is. That you've heard me say, you know, many times before, As we see here, God, God spoke to Noah. It was clearly explained to him what his job was to do. It was clearly explained to him what God was going to do, and he simply acted in obedience, believing what God said. <coughs> the thing about it is, is, I, is whenever God clearly speaks, he clearly spoke to Noah, it was no question what he should do. My question to you is, is it clearly spoken to us what we are to do? Is it clearly spoken? No? Yes? According to what the Word of God says, we are fully equipped for every good work. We are fully equipped. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, it says that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. That means God has spoken. By the inspiration of God, God has spoken. And the things that He has spoken... It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you don't know what to do, you've got to read the book. You've got to read the instructions in righteousness. It is, here, it is here for our learning. He has given us the word of God for us to live by. This is our instruction manual. These are the plans for the ark. 
We've got to be able to dive into it, read it, and understand what God wants, and just be obedient to it. Whenever we are obedient to God's work, guess what? You are walking by faith. And though your desires may want to pull you one way or the other, that's why you don't make decisions based on your desires. We make decisions based on facts. We make decisions based on what is real. We make decisions based on the fact that God is. We make decisions based on the fact that God is the rewarder of those who will diligently seek him. That's how we make our decisions. And when we make our decisions based on those things, you are living a life of faith. It's truly not something that is mystical. It's something that, is, that we can't you know, wrap our, our, our minds around. We are instructed to live by faith, and we have clear instruction on what that looks like. And lastly, what we have is that we have an invitation to come and to live a life of faith. It says that he that comes to God must believe. It's an open invitation. God is giving us opportunity after opportunity to step out in faith and obedience to him. The question is, are we really going to take it? The question truly is, do we really believe that his way is the right way? Do we truly believe what the word of God says in the situations in which we face in our day-to-day lives? Do we trust what God says even though it is 2,000 years old since it's been written? Do we really believe what this word of God tells us? Well, what you truly believe is measured in how you behave. It really is revealed in how you make your choices. And when you make your choices that are, that, are, um, that are in line with what the Word of God says, that is a faithful living life. Because it will, it will, call, you to, it will call you to do things that will go against your desires. It will cause you to do things that will go against what the world says is right. And it will cause you to have to trust in God for the results. Is it that simple? Yes, it is that simple. Faith is the, ev- is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. And we are continually being called into a life of faithfulness. And as, we get time, as we get time for, a, uh, for an invitation as our musicians come forward, I'm going to close with a, a very simple statement about what we've talked about. You know, we've seen that faith is the substance. It is the evidence. Faith is the action that we as believers live out. It is the behavior that we take on, and it is, ca- it is captivated by the Word of God. We are, we are held captive by the Word of God when we live a faithful life. We look at the Word of God, and we are obedient to it. Say, God, you revealed to me what I am to do, and I will do it. And when you make a decision to do it, you're walking in faith because you're trusting God for the results. You know, we've learned that faith is not believing without evidence. No, faith is completely the opposite. Faith is, faith is actually based in evidence. Faith is exactly, is, 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 not the fa- is not believing without evidence. It's not walking through life mindlessly. Faith is action, it is, it is obedience. It's the substance, it's the evidence. Faith, our action, now listen, faith, our action, and our obedience. It is the faith, it is the evidence, it's the substance. Faith is that fact that we have heard from God. Faith is the fact that we have heard from God, we believe what he says, and we believe that he is the rewarder of those who will diligently seek him. And based on those facts, we act in in obedience to the word of God. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? All right, good.
So faith, a life of faith is simply a life of obedience in believing God. So my question this morning is, do you want to please him? You still want to please him? Yeah. Well, back to our, our, our verse here, it says, but without faith, it's impossible to. So are you ready to live a life of faith? If you're ready to live a life of faith and a life of obedience to the word of God, then you can be assured that God will be pleased. We'll close with this verse, 2 Timothy 2 and, 2 and verse 15. It says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Be diligent to do that. Work hard at it. The faithful, a faithful life is not necessarily easy, but it's going to be something that you're going to have to actively pursue. But be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. But it comes by doing this, by rightly dividing the word of truth. You have to rightly divide the word of God. You've got to get into it, learn from it, and apply it to your life. And when you're willing to do that, you will be willing to please the Lord. Let's stand and have a word of prayer and a hymn of invitation. Father, we just want to thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the word of God that directs our lives. We thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you so much for the power that you've given us in order to live that life of obedience. But Father, I pray that there's someone here that needs to surrender their life to you. Father, may they have seen that they've never trusted Christ. I pray that they will come and they will give their lives to you and have their sins forgiven. Father, there are those here who are struggling with a, a life of faith. Maybe your word has revealed how truly simple in understanding it, it may be, that they'll repent and take that step of faith this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.